The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Good evening, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. Show about money. And be nice to have a little more money, wouldn't it? Well, turn up your radio and uh, get comfortable. We're going to help you certainly protect some of that money. Um, and we're going to forewarn you, uh, perhaps, uh, U.S. estate tax. Uh, interesting phenomena. Uh, it's a very, very interesting phenomena. Uh, certainly, as uh, wealth has increased, uh, some people have become extremely wealthy, uh, be it in crypto, uh, some ventures. Uh, the last 10 years have been an opportunity certainly to make a lot of money and incredible. Uh, some people have tipped themselves into a point where they perhaps could be subjected to something we don't have here in Canada. In the United States, it's called U.S. estate tax, where the U.S. government taxes the value of your estate at death. We don't have that in Canada. In Canada, we have probate, and that is nothing more than a stamp from the court verifying the validity of a will. And we Canadians go through great lengths to avoid probate. <laughs> and often, <laughs> there's, there's, there's bigger enemy abroad that you have to be paying attention to. So, uh, again, I want to just help you be aware uh, that, that this U.S. estate tax does exist. Uh, and perhaps if you are uh, inheriting a farm, uh, have yourself a uh, amount of wealth, you want to pay attention to what I'm talking about because it certainly can uh, protect you. Uh, had to lean over to the experts, uh, Jason Ubica, Ubica, excuse me. Uh, he's with BDO, uh, personal tax uh, leader uh, in Canada. I joined the companies in 1993, uh, and since 2003, he's specialized in Canada-U.S. border taxation. It's a very, very important uh, discussion. Uh, and again, it, it gets as, as small as owning a property in Florida to becoming one of the 1% uh, that now subjects yourself to U.S. estate tax. So if I may just help set the table, Jason, I want to thank you for joining us because uh, this has been coming up with some of our clients uh, who are hitting the threshold of having a net worth of $25 million U.S., uh, at which point you could be subject to U.S. estate tax uh, if you own U.S. assets. U.S. assets can be anything from Common stock, i.e. Microsoft, uh, Google, uh, Apple, uh, to some real estate, uh, to uh, U.S. government bonds, treasuries, in other words. Um, So, Jason, I want you to uh, please explain to us in layman's terms uh, how this U.S. estate tax works, uh, when we are truly subjected to it, and to what degree of of our estate would be subject to the tax and how punitive is the tax? Sure. Thanks, Wolfgang. And thanks for having me on the show. I'm happy to chat about this with you today. Uh, U.S. estate tax, it's its quite a, a maze to navigate here. Um, You've mentioned earlier that it could apply to people who have a worldwide net worth of something north of 25 million U.S. Well, it, it could be less than that. Uh, I would say that would roughly be your threshold if you're a married couple and looking at yourself collectively with your spouse. But if you're someone who's unmarried, the, the, the current U.S. estate tax exemption is actually uh, just a hair over $12 million U.S. 
So if your worldwide assets are more than that threshold and you pass away and you own some U.S. CITUS assets, which, as you've mentioned, could include uh, U.S. stocks, um, certain U.S. debt obligations, U.S. real estate as well. Uh, if you're over that worldwide net worth exemption, then yes, you, you could face or your, your estate could face a liability upon your debt. Um, how, how much tax might be owing is really highly driven by how much your worldwide net worth is in excess of that threshold. Again, if you're below that threshold, at the end of the day, you pay no tax. Um, if you have more than 60000 of U.S. assets, you do have to file or your state has to file an estate tax return, but at the end of the day, the tax would end up being zero. Um, if you're over that threshold, depending on how much over you are, uh, that, that's going to drive your tax liability. Uh, the way I like to look at it, Wolfgang, would be uh, what, to what degree are you above the exemption? Let's say, to make the number simple, the exemption at the current time is $10 million instead of $12 million. Uh, and let's say that someone's worldwide net worth is $30 million and they don't have a surviving spouse if they were to pass away. Well, the, the, the exemption is representing one-third of their worldwide net worth. So if they had, let's say, a million dollars worth of U.S. CITUS assets, one-third of the value of those assets would be shielded from estate tax. The other two-thirds would be subject to the tax. Uh, and how much is the tax? Well, uh, the tax could be as much as 40%. Uh, that's the top estate tax rate. And uh, someone whose net worth is in the stratosphere where you're actually paying estate tax, you'd find that you're paying an average tax rate somewhere approaching that top rate of 40%. So in my example here, you, you take your, your $1 million, uh, two-thirds of it subject to tax at a rate of up to 40%, and you're looking at potentially uh, several hundred thousand dollars worth of U.S. estate tax. Um, and that, that, that's really the, the nut that we have to crack and what we need to plan proactively against. Uh, Jason, A plus, um, you're a fantastic teacher. They're very, very clean flowing. So it is only the portion uh, of U.S. assets that becomes subjected to the U.S. estate tax first and foremost. So my, my, my cottage in Muskoka is not subjected to U.S. estate tax. However, my place in the Hamptons uh, would be subjected to U.S. estate tax. By the way, friends, I have neither piece of real estate. I'm speaking fictitiously. Um, but again, so how do we protect ourselves? And this is, again, important, uh, friends at home. Uh, there is a quick trick you can do to avoid U.S. estate tax if you own stock, uh, publicly traded stock, and you are aware that you're coming to your final days in life or your executor is aware if they have power of attorney over your estate. This is important. Uh, if you have power of attorney over someone's estate, you should be aware in advance of what their estate consists of, uh, what assets, liabilities, debt holders, et cetera, uh, is this person subjected to, so you can make informed decisions uh, in advance of rather than after the fact when usually you can't uh, fix a uh, certain uh, lack of transactions that have gone down. Uh, so the point is, if you own common stock and you're on your final days of life, if you sell that stock before death, you are no, you, you, you exonerate yourself from exposure. Correct, Jason? 
That, that's absolutely correct. Uh, now, sometimes, of course, that's easier said than done. Sometimes someone will pass away suddenly. Let's say it's, heaven forbid, a car accident. Correct. There isn't time to put in that call to the broker to liquidate that U.S. position. Right. Um, and sorry if I, may, if I may interrupt, Jason. Um, the settlement does matter, which means uh, I assume it's settlement, not trade date. Now, again, I say that, friends at home, if you sell a stock today, it takes 48 hours uh, for it to, quote unquote, settle uh, or clear, uh, which means, uh, yeah, you have to be, do this 48 hours in advance of you. Of course, you have to do it only when the market is open for business. Uh, but you, you do have time. And I, again, I share that with you because if you own a condominium or a house in perhaps Florida, little more difficult to sell uh, quickly. Furthermore, quality large cap blue chip equities are easier to sell than speculative crap, I shall say. Uh, so keep those points in mind. Um, Jason, uh, again, how else can we protect ourselves? Again, let's talk perhaps about the use of corporations. Uh, I, uh, I'm uber wealthy. Uh, I have uh, a mansion and a yacht. Um, and those assets are, uh, well, the mansion is in the United States. Uh, the yacht is internationally registered in Malta. That's where apparently a lot of ships are being registered, very, very low tax jurisdiction. Uh, tax tip for you, my friends, if you own a ship, register in Malta. Apparently, that's the way to do it. You can use an EU passport uh, quite easily. Interesting uh, little setup they have over there. I learned that in my travels, and that's why I always encourage people to travel. I digress. Jason, uh, the use of a corporation, uh, how can we use that, use that to protect ourselves uh, if we own a lot of assets and we, we are subjected above that $12 million threshold? That's a good point you made. It's $12 million U.S. per person, approximately $24, $25 million per couple. So that point matters a whole lot as well. Thank you for clarifying that. Use of a corp, help me out. Sure, sure. That, using a Canadian holding company is a, a reasonably straightforward method to give one estate tax protection. And that, that's because for the purposes of the U.S. estate tax rules, the U.S. generally doesn't look through a foreign corporation like a Canadian corporation to see what sort of assets are inside. It's a bit of a black box approach here. So whether your U.S. site's assets consist of um, blue chip U.S. stocks, uh, U.S. real estate, or anything else that falls under that umbrella of U.S. Citus assets, if you own it inside a Canadian corporation, that does give you a quite solid estate tax shielding. Um, to, to get those properties into the company, um, if they've already appreciated in value, uh, it, it is typically possible to do that on a, on a tax-deferred basis in Canada, um, and uh, you'd have to be cognizant as to whether there could be any U.S. tax uh, implications of that transfer, um, more, more so for real estate than it would be for uh, for other types of U.S. assets. Uh, but that's absolutely a, a viable planning opportunity, and we do see a lot of high net worth individuals uh, decide to hold the U.S. portion of their portfolios through a Canadian corporation. But again, uh, it is not black and white. When you own uh, securities inside a uh, Canadian Holdco, that becomes passive uh, investments, uh, and they are a little more onerously taxed on the front end. Uh, it, yes, uh, you have to be mindful of what the Canadian tax consequences are, are as well. Um, uh, holding 
Such investments through a Canadian corporation may not be optimally efficient from a Canadian tax perspective if you're looking at minimizing your overall income tax burden. So, so like many other uh, tax planning ideas, there, there's a bit of give and take here. You've got advantages and disadvantages of any particular um, uh, uh, planning opportunity you might take advantage of. Friends at home, I think you're connecting the dots. The world is complicated. You need partners, uh, people in your corner. Jack Hartle, Wolfgang Klein, uh, right here, Jason Ubika, uh, all friends of yours. We're here to help uh, develop relationships with people like us for the long haul. Uh, it will save you money uh, and hopefully help you compound wealth. We're going to take a quick break, take a breath of fresh air, get right back to the show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back, my friends. The irony is if you're born in Canada and you've made it big, you could be subjected to U.S. estate tax. Uh, very punitive. Um, and uh, a, a few nasty shitholes, uh, uh, shall I say, uh, in the, uh, the way the game is set up. Uh, I share with you, uh, you are successful. You decide to buy yourself a wonderful place in the uh, state of Florida. You spend $3 million on it, U.S., uh, you're worth, and you're single, and you're worth, say, $25 million. Um, but your only asset in the United States is that piece of property. You pay $3 million for it. You pass away, it is fully subject to that tax that uh, Jason was speaking about. It doesn't matter what you paid for it. The day you purchase it, it becomes subject to U.S. tax. So you convert your Canadian dollars to U.S., and at that point in time, when you buy that asset, fully subjected to tax, it could be as high as 40% on the price of that asset. Uh, but again, it depends on the portion. There's a formula as indicated by uh, Jason. And Jason, the formula that you shared with us, um, the, 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 the one-third, the ten, it was a $30 million individual, $10 million is, was sheltered, uh, therefore one-third was sheltered, um, and then you had a million dollars. Uh, one-third of the million became sheltered, two-thirds subjected to the tax of the million. Uh, so here would be two-thirds, basically, for the same math, it would be two-thirds of a $3 million asset, 40%. That'd be over a million dollars in tax, rough math. So if this individual who had a $30 million net worth, um, uh, just bought themselves a place um, in Florida for $3 million, uh, at that point in time, they'd be subjected to a million bucks in tax, if they died at that point in time. Uh, if they held inside a corporation, you said they could avoid uh, that uh, burden, correct? Uh, that, that's right. A, a corporation is one vehicle that, that could provide you state tax shielding. There, there are other means as well besides uh, a corporation. So often we see people use a family trust. Uh, perhaps they use a partnership structure. If, if those structures, which are a bit more complex to set up or set up properly, it can give you a comparable level of, of estate tax protection. So, so there's often a few different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. And uh, yeah, the, the corporation is, is a, a good 
model for some individuals to use, but for others, um, perhaps a, a trust or, or or a partnership. There's there, there's various advantages and disadvantages of any any particular method of owning U.S. real estate. There's no one way to hold U.S. real estate that I would say is universally best. So it's a matter of looking at those advantages and disadvantages and as as an individual deciding which ones are important to you. Uh, Jack, you had a question on real estate. Yeah, that, that was really the one, the, the fact that when you buy real estate, you're going to be fully exposed immediately. And, and is that correct, Jason? There's no uh, there's no timeline or there's no um, capital gains you have to focus on. It's more just the purchase price of the real estate and the date that you die? Uh, that, that, that's generally correct. It's, it's really the value of the property on death that's relevant. So it's without any uh, reference to a concept of uh, a gain or appreciation. Um, it, it could be a property that you purchase for $3 million and uh, let's say it's gone down in value to $2.5 million. Well, you, you still have estate tax exposure. It's just based on a $2.5 million value instead of the original cost. Wow. It, just really, it, shows, sorry, Jack, say it really shows you the fact that you need to set these up correctly uh, at the beginning, whether it's a trust, personal, or corp. Uh, just because of the fact that, you know, marketable securities, as Wolfgang alluded to, are easy to liquidate uh, a couple of days before death, assuming that you know the day you're going to die. But uh, selling a less liquid uh, piece of real estate is, is very challenging. Um, so you want to make sure that when you're buying real estate, you know, you speak with the professional so that you get the proper structure set up uh, beforehand. Uh, the other point that I'd make, Wolfgang, and we talk about blue chip stocks, and we like that for our clients, uh, getting that global exposure of, you know, Apple or Amazon or Google, whatever the case. Um, maybe, Jason, you could speak to some of the other um, liquid structures that are available for investors to focus on, uh, whether it being, you know, uh, mutual funds, uh, exchange traded funds. Because uh, from my understanding, uh, you can still get the same exposure to the U.S. market, um, but avoid that U.S. estate tax without actually having to sell or liquidate the, um, the investments before you die. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right, uh, and it's it's often an easier path than setting up a, your own Canadian holding company to own a, a direct interest in these U.S. stocks. Instead, you could get get into the U.S. market investing in Canadian mutual funds, Canadian exchange traded funds. Uh, they they may be loaded with U.S. investments, but broadly speaking, the the uh, the U.S. is not going to look through mutual fund or the ETF to, to see what the underlying securities are. They, they again take a bit of a black box approach. Uh, most typically, uh, a mutual fund or exchange traded fund will be treated as a corporation uh, for U.S. tax purposes. Therefore, it's providing the same sort of shielding that your own uh, personal holding company might. Uh, and uh, yeah, you, you get exposure to the markets without having to deal with the state tax consequences. Jason, the uh, um, tax legislation uh, around foreigners paying uh, U.S. estate tax is a moving target. Uh, can you please speak to that? And there's an end date to the current setup. I think it's 2026 when, if new legislation isn't passed, it goes back to the previous thresholds, which are significantly lower. And the point I'm going to make to all of this is this requires professionals working with you ongoing to help you be aware in advance of such very, very critical, perhaps, changes to factors that can adversely affect your well-being. 
That's absolutely right. The, uh, the, the U.S. estate tax exemption is a bit of a moving target, and it has been quite volatile in recent years. Uh, the good news for taxpayers is that it's, it's been on the uptrend consistently since 2001. 2001, we, we had an exemption of only 675000 and uh, gradually over the years, that, that has increased, and we're now just a hair over $12 million dollars. Um, you, you're absolutely right that there's a what they call a sunset clause in the current legislation. That means absent any other legislative activity, that, that exemption will drop to half of its current amounts starting in 2026. Uh, so ignoring indexing for inflation, that $12 million exemption is scheduled to decrease to roughly $6 million in 2026. Um, now, a lot could happen between now and 2026. Uh, the, the current exemption could be made permanent. They might accelerate that, the decrease in that exemption. Um, it, it's really up to Congress and what they're able to pass. Um, the, the Democrats have historically favored exemptions on the lower side. Republicans have historically favored exemptions on uh, the higher side. And it's uh, really Republican forces that by and large have driven the exemption where it is today. Um, but one one should be careful to, uh, to just discount estate tax because, uh, hey, my, my net worth is substantially below $12 million US, so I don't need to worry about it. Well, maybe not at this moment, but, uh, you might find that either your net worth increases significantly or the exemption decreases significantly. And um, overnight, you might go from no exposure to estate tax liabilities if you were to die to having significant exposure. You know, it's remarkable, uh, Jason. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking cross-border tax. We're talking U.S. estate tax. Uh, we're talking tax, of course. Uh, I'm going to help you be aware of it. Um, but it's remarkable. I phoned a number of our clients who are exposed to those thresholds. In other words, who are very wealthy and, and, and they have well over uh, the, the, the threshold. And I said, are you aware of U.S. estate tax? And they say no. And I said, well, this is your type of potential exposure. And, and they couldn't believe it. They were, they were, they were astounded. Uh, so, of course, uh, meetings are being set to help them uh, you know, brush up uh, on the legislation so that they can do some planning uh, perhaps around it. And again, Jack, you made a, such a clean, valid point. If you're looking to purchase U.S. assets of any sort, uh, it, be aware in advance of potential risks to your net worth. And uh, again, you you have to pre-plan setting up a corporation. There's no point buying an asset, having it appreciate uh, over 25 years, then trying to protect it from, from U.S. estate tax. It can be much more onerous and could cost you a lot of money, i.e. tripping a capital gain uh, that uh, was not necessarily uh, required had you planned properly in advance. That's a very, very valid point. Uh, I'll tell you something else, uh, Jack and Jason and friends at home. Um, my, my sweet mother passed away uh, five or six years ago. Recently, uh, through her employment, uh, was a member of an insurance company called Economical. They recently demutualized, uh, and my mother received a check in the mail. Uh, the check was for $2,800. And uh, my beneficiaries or my, my siblings said, oh, we got ourselves a, a few three hundred bucks. So like Monopoly, right? You win yourself a couple hundred bucks. They said, well, slow down. I have to file a tax return. Uh, I filed the tax return, and, and my, my accountant processed that quite quickly. That cost me 300 bucks to file the tax return against a $2,800 check. The tax liability on the $2,800, Jason, you know the number. It was $1,100. It was 40%. It was one line item. The income was $2,800 for the year. But because it's a trust, 
uh, I guess, and James, you can speak to what the legislation now is on that, but the government doesn't want money sitting in trust. And if it does sit in a trust, it's the first dollar is taxed at the top marginal rate. So, Jason, we, we received 2800 bucks. The beneficiaries are going to get well less than half of it. It, it really highly depends on the circumstances. You, you do often see scenarios where a default withholding tax, uh, which is most typically 30%, is withheld at source. Uh, sometimes that's... That, that's the still, a tax, still a tax paid. Still a tax paid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still a tax paid, um, but but uh, yeah, in some in some cases there are means by which one could reduce that tax. Um, often, the, the default tax rate is not the the final or ultimate determination of tax. In, in certain circumstances, one might need to file a U.S. tax return to get the tax down. In some cases, it may just be a, a, a advanced communication with the uh, with the uh, the administrator of the funds in the U.S. to make sure that their withholding tax is at the correct rate. Jason Ubica, uh, accountant at BDO, uh, one of one of our partners, I shall say, and the, the team at the Wolf on Bay Street. Uh, these types of questions matter. Uh, the world is complicated. Friends, you need good partners, and that's what Jack and I uh, are here to do: be your partners in helping you uh, protect your wealth and build your wealth. Jason, that was brilliant. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, good job, my friend. You have yourself a safe weekend, a great weekend. Uh, Jack, uh, we are going to have a fabulous conversation with uh, Jamie Carrasco. We're going to talk crypto. We're going to talk gold. We're going to have some fun uh, with this man. Uh, hope he's not crying too much into his soup. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio. Going to take a quick break. Get right back to the show about money with Jack Hartland. We'll be inclined. Friends, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. What did you make it cry? Select. I'm talking about if you play guitar. Oh, great music, just love it. Little gold dust woman. Jamie Carrasco, a uh, friend of ours in the office of the Canaccord down on Bay Street. Indeed, we are fully operational. Doors open, COVID's dead. Um, but we still have to be aware and still have to be vigilant. And uh, it's remarkable. You know, a lot of us uh, continue to wear masks, and God bless you. And uh, but it's good to see the world uh, normalize. Uh, remarkable. They shut the economy down. Uh, they jam some money into the system. Market goes up. COVID comes along. And well, uh, if you're an investor, uh, COVID has been was okay to you. Uh, for the most part, if you're an investor, you're in the right stuff. You made some good money in COVID. Uh, commodities, of course, uh, coming on the tail end of that. And uh, well, gold, not bad. Flirting with two thousand uh, dollars, you know, Jack and I, we're, we're long a few gold positions, uh, two or three percent, I think, of our portfolio. But uh, the gold bug in them hills, his name is Jamie Carrasco, uh, alternative asset uh, thinker, um, not a conspiracy theorist, but certainly aware um, of the amount of money that's been printed globally for decades upon decades. And well, historically speaking, when you print too much money, it, it doesn't end well. 
you know, Kathleen, my beautiful bride, has always said America is a nation in decline. And perhaps she's right. Uh, the question is in my lifetime uh, or our children's lifetime. I don't know. Uh, I digress. Jamie, uh, my friend, uh, welcome back to IFR Radio. Uh, you, you have crypto uh, on your books. You got a fair bit of gold on your books. Um, how are you holding in, man? It's been a tough year. Holding in well because of how I position gold. It's insurance. And, you know, you don't trade your insurance. You hold it, have a percentage, uh, an allocation, and you just keep rebalancing that allocation. On periods like this, uh, we rebalance. If it goes up, you cut back. If it goes down, you buy back. Asset allocation is key when gold. But I do think inflation is, um, is starting to trick up and some people might say that central banks have lost control of inflation like Latin American central banks. And that's where gold really helps. And um, globally, uh, we're seeing a massive power shift occurring. You know, there's a lot of things in fluctuation similar to the 70s and 80s. Commodities up, everything's playing out except the price of gold. So the real question is, does it catch up to commodities? Because since 2020, the CRB and gold is the second biggest component is up 235% and gold is down 14%. That anomaly has never happened. So either the CRB has to come down, commodities have to come down, or gold has to catch up. I think it's going to resolve in the other way. So that's why I like my insurance, and I'm happy to hold on to it. You know, just going through my mind was, I think I've heard of three or four instances of catalytic converters being stolen from parked vehicles. uh, is it platinum or palladium inside a catalytic converter palladium. or is it interchangeable? It's palladium. And uh, what is the price of palladium? Uh, I'm going to say $4,000 an ounce. I think it's up there. Yeah. It, 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 again, it, it's one of the commodities that has gone up because a lot of them come from Russia. Um, and the bigger question, actually, when we talk about Russia, is this whole globalist system. Is the globalist system coming to an end, which is going to be highly inflationary for us, right? So I, I think there, there's a lot of things in flux right now that are going to cause a lot more inflation. And that's the catalyst for gold. Why, you know, gold is holding on quite well. It's the producers are in down. And by the way, I just own producers because production, if the cost is low, they're making money. And at some point, though, that productivity is going to be even better as gold starts to move up. Right? Oh, sorry, you, you, you like the producers over the, over the commodity itself? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because I think reserves on the ground are going to be the, the key. You know, go back to 2011. Last time we were at 2000, reserves on the ground were at 300 bucks an ounce, 350 at the height. Uh, they're trading around 60 bucks an ounce. So a company like Agnico Eagle, right? I think at some point we're going to have a mad rush for gold. Central banks have been buying for the last five years at a crazy amount. So it doesn't make sense that the price isn't going up. Central banks have accumulated more gold than they have since we unpegged in 75. That is a fact. But the price hasn't moved yet. So that anomaly to me is quite interesting. And I think at some point something has to revert. Central banks are going to be holding on to their gold. People are going to be looking to scramble to get some. And I think the reserves on the ground are going to show value, right? Every time we go through this inflationary madness, that once, once investors wake up to it, you know, it's sad. One thing I have to point out. The percentage of gold, I'm glad that you guys, you know, you're, you're adding, but investors as a whole are, have a very anemic position in gold. And I find that historically gold has been the best hedge for inflation. 
So if we're going to have a massive inflationary storm, they own least the asset they're going to need most. And I think that to me is, is a beautiful thing because I like buying assets when they're cheap and nobody owns them. Well, the okay. thing is, uh, Jack, Jack is an economist uh, by, by studies, I shall say. So, uh, Jack, uh, please give us your economic read uh, on inflation. Uh, is it permanent? Uh, is it temporary? Uh, what's, what's the new world order from an inflationary perspective based on your read, Jack? Well, as you said, the central banks have printed a, a ton of money since COVID. Uh, that's obvious. And uh, people are feeling inflation right now. It's, it's real. Uh, you feel it at the pumps, you feel it at the uh, the grocery stores, all those everyday items. Uh, it's real and it's it's it has been going higher. The question that I would have for Jamie is, um, you know, gold does well in an inflationary environment, and you mentioned the fact that um, central banks, uh, people are starting to lose faith in central banks. But from my perspective, what I am seeing out there is uh, inflation is in the headline news right now. But the fact is, from uh, our perspective, it's starting to slow down and it's starting to decelerate. So. Central banks are reducing the accommodation that they put out because of COVID. Uh, they're slowing down the economy. They're trying to reduce demand. And because of that, inflation appears, appears I will uh, emphasize there, to be peaking. And if that's the case, that's actually quite positive for um, risk assets, whether it's you know stocks, real estate, even bonds, because uh, central banks may not have to raise rates as much as everyone expects. And that would actually be a, um, I'm not going to say a Goldilocks scenario for stocks, but uh, potentially a soft landing that people are hoping and looking for. So what's your view on that in the, I'm going to say, short to medium term uh, inflation decelerating uh, from peak levels? You just right, made a great you got, you got about 60 seconds for this, Jamie. You just made a great point that inflation appears to be under check, but don't forget that in the last CPI number, they changed the way they calculated inflation again by changing used cars. So that's a temporary dip. I would argue that once that dip filters through, we're going to see more upside going forward. Let's not forget about hedonic adjustments that they keep doing to put things under check because the way they calculate inflation today is not the way they were calculating it in the 80s. And they're doing it so that we don't fully understand the hit of inflation. To me, inflation is that money is devaluing, not that things are going up in price. So the question is, is money going to continue devaluing? And I think it will because uh, as the economy slows down, now we're talking about a recession. Are they going to be able to continue raising rates? We're only at 1%, inflation's at 8 and inflation's an exponential event. So is, gonna, is it going to continue to increase? I would say yes, considering everything that's going on around the world. If that's the case, I think at some point people have to take that into account and start protecting themselves, which is, you know, I've been going on about inflation since 2015. The real question is have central banks control, lost control of inflation. With, in, with Fed rate at, what, 1% and inflation at 8 that's a 7% gap. They have to raise, what did Rogoff, Kenneth Rogoff come out? He said that two weeks ago they have to raise to at least 5% to put it under check. Well, we're 4% away from that. So, you know, I, I think inflation will continue to build. Uh, we're talking about inflation. We're talking money, of course. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. Jack Hartle, portfolio manager. Myself, Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. And we're on with our... Our friend in the office, I shall say, uh, Jamie Carrasco, also portfolio manager. Uh, it's always a treat to spend some time with Jamie. I get a real kick out of his uh, mind and the way he thinks. Uh, more show, my good friends, right after this. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. 
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. about my trip to Italy, my friend. Oh, don't ask you. It's such a beautiful trip. I, I won't stop. Um, but we're talking about inflation and uh, coming back from my wonderful voyage to Italy for two weeks, uh, I could not believe the comparison in food prices from Italy to Toronto. Uh, how so? Number one, I would say half price for most of the food uh, I ate in Italy than I had in Toronto. A panini with beautiful salami and cheese for three euros, uh, maybe four euros, let's say four euros, which is six dollars um, down the food court uh, at uh, Michael's, twelve dollars, uh, cappuccino downtown Toronto, five dollars, cappuccino in Italy, one and a half euro, which is two Canadian. Um, where's the food better? Hey, come on. You know where it's better. Way better. So you get better food for half the price. So if you're worried about food inflation, Mumbo, Italiano, go to Italy. Uh, and you can do some clothes shopping as well. Leather garments, belts, $10. 10 euros, excuse me. 10 euros for a belt. 50 euro for a fine pair of shoes. $12, 12 euro, 10 euro for 100% beautiful cotton t-shirts. It's unbelievable. But there's inflation here. Lots of it. Um, so we're talking about 8% inflation, Jack and Jamie. Uh, 8, 8% is a, is a number not seen I think in 40 years, uh, something to that effect. Uh, the question I think the market is saying is it's not going to stay at 8%, Jamie. Um, the market with a 10-year bond flirting with, what, three and a quarter? Uh, and actually pulling back from that level. If I were to call the bond market, I would say the 10-year uh, top in yield in the interim, in the interim, is in. Uh, maybe another quarter point higher, three and a half. Uh, so, th- and and then lower rates, Jack. You 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 showed this to me. The dot plot, lower rates actually uh, hitting the market perhaps late next year, uh, and on their way down below three percent again. So that's what the market's telling me is going to take place, Jamie. Not continued eight percent inflation. Um, Let me address that? it as an ex bond trader, as an ex repo trader, and let's not forget that the repo window is. $2 trillion every night now. The 10-year bond started moving higher at the same time as the CRB did in 2020. The CRB has paused, but not declined. 10-year bonds are at 277 today. They got down to 269, so they're starting to creep up again. The 30-year bond just crossed 3% again. So I think that here we can wait and see what happens. Because if the 30-year bond continues tracking higher, and my 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 bet, my speculation, is just that the bond market is not listening to the Fed anymore, and it has begun pricing in inflation. If it has a three three percent uh, or two seventy seven ten year bond, is going to continue moving. At some point, the bond vigilantes are going to wake up, and that's what happened in the eighties. They stopped listening to the Fed and they started pricing in inflation. And the Fed could not control that. So are the bond vigilantes, it's Jeremy Grantham, all the big bond managers loud enough now that people are listening to them and the bond market going higher? 
I think here, you know, I agree. The bond market is kind of waffling right now. Where's it going to go? We will know as the next economic numbers come out. Right. I would say the one thing I see, Wolf, the one thing that I see with the bond market, and no one, uh, listeners don't like talking about bonds because it's boring. But when you look at it, it's your mortgage. So in the United States, the 30 year mortgage is now 5.5%. In Canada, the five year fixed is 4%. So it actually does matter to listeners what interest rates are at. And what I'm seeing out there, Wolf and Jamie, is with rising interest rates, you're, do, you're seeing exactly what you would expect. You're seeing risk assets coming off, meaning prices are coming down, and the economy is slowing. Uh, slowing demand for housing, slowing demand for durable goods, slowing demand for everyday products because people have less money because of, one, inflation, but also because of higher interest rates. So I think for the time being, um, what Wolfgang is talking about is true. You're going to see the... The, the five, the five, ten, and thirty-year, uh, not get unpegged. I know the, the bond vigilantes are going to run away with it this time. At some point in the future, well down the future, um, as Kathleen says, maybe U.S. is in decline. But I think you know, rising rates, the Fed still has control, and we're seeing a slowing economy, which is exactly what they want. Do, do you see? Do you see a recession, gentlemen? Well, there's definitely talk now. A lot of people are saying that by by year end we will. The economic numbers, you know, I think I think right now they're neutral, right? Are, are we going to go any further? Any further economic? We'll have to wait and see what happens through the summer, right? But inflation is definitely kicking in. The housing market, we're starting to see a slowdown. So will there be? Um, I would be betting yes. I guess you know. Again, I'm bottle half empty kind of guy when it comes to this in terms of having insurance. <laughs> I, I, my answer to that, Wolf, is I, I think it's too early to call a recession, both in Canada and the U.S., but when it does come, I think it will affect Canadians worse just because Canadian consumers are much more indebted uh, than the Americans are. They sort of cleaned up their balance sheets back in 2008, 2009. But um, if there was a recession, I would expect it to be second half of next year to the back end of next year just because of the amount of pent-up demand uh, and growth that's already embedded in the system right now. Well, my friends, recession uh, is making headlines, but we're not in a recession. So don't think recessionary thought. Uh, and, and the world is half full, not half empty. Uh, it just is. Uh, fill your glass up, my good friends, with joy, uh, with peace, with love. Uh, we're here to help you out. So, you know, we can make things right for you if you need your hand, need, need some help, as Jack and I are here for. Uh, Jamie, of course, uh, always a pleasure to speak uh, gold with you and inflation with you and the monetary system with you. It matters. Have a good weekend, my friends. High Five Radio each and every Saturday on 640 in Toronto. Jack Hartle, Wolfgang Klein. Any questions for us? WolfgangKlein.com. Stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to High Five Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. High Five Radio for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.